0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This week, I'm talking with Nicole Pandolfo, an amazing playwright and one of the newest faculty members of the Maslow Family Graduate Program in Creative Writing at Wilkes University. This is episode 83 of On Tenure Tracks.
1: working on a few things um I am outlining a tv pilot about a group of 9-11 widows who form this like unofficial support group in Bridgewood New Jersey um so it's set in 2001 uh that doesn't sound funny but I hope it's you know a funny drama um I'm also working on a book, which is by, new for me. Fiction writing is really hard and a lot of work. Um, it's it's funny because I mostly write plays or screenplays, and uh, that is so easy because all you have to write down is what people say, and like other, you know, part of the audience's job is to like fill in the rest of the world. But in fiction writing, like I mean, obviously the audience fills in. I mean, the reader fills in some amount of this. But it's uh, you know you have to put a lot more down, so you have to just like think about the world. I, I feel like there are two like poetry is like more like playwriting than than fiction writing is, you know. So um, so that's fun. So I'm working on a book about like two two friends who go on a um, uh, who drive from New Jersey to Florida um, with a dead body in their trunk. So uh-huh. that's, it's like a front a road trip, but a dark comedy also um so those are the two things I'm working on um that are new Mm -hmm.
0: awesome um yeah it's super interesting so when I started the program in my first meeting with Ross Clavin who ended up being my mentor um in screenwriting he he told me that he he thinks that I now agree with him that poetry and screenwriting are are more similar than, than anything else and it's been just such a revelation for me for the past couple of years um, as somebody who didn't really have much experience with poetry <laughs> um, outside of what uh, I, I did in you know in school growing up um, kind of coming to it now at this point in my life has been like really really fun and seeing all the ways that it connects with screenwriting has been super cool so um, I think for for students listening to this I, I, like right away you're modeling great behavior right because you're you're dabbling in everything. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I I spent a lot of time focusing on playwriting, which was fun. Um, but I feel like sometimes, like, you know, I, I felt like I was telling, like, okay, you're a playwright. And I was like, well, no, I'm not. I'm a writer, right? Like, so I could do what, you know, I, like, why does it have to be one thing? Why can't I? Different stories should be, you know, they want to be told in different kinds of ways, different mediums. Like, I like, po- I've written some poetry. I, I. I I like poetry, too. Yeah, I like, I've done a couple of essays. You know, I, I just feel like there's so many ways to express yourself with, the, like, your gift as a writer. Um, and that we, should, yeah, like, we pigeonhole ourselves, you know, and there's no reason to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really hard to get out of that, that mindset, too, right? That I, like, defining yourself in only one way um, and, yeah. and realizing that uh, there's so many more opportunities, the more that you can diversify your, your skill set. Yeah, um, just across the board. Um, so I, I want to get back to the TV pilot really quick because you, you, as you were as you're uh, explaining it, it sounded like a very serious uh, <laughs> the post 9-11 thing, and then you sli- you slipped in like, I hope it'll be funny. Yeah. <laughs> and so, could you uh, elaborate a little bit on how a pilot about 9-11 was like how you're shooting yeah, yeah. you so for this the comedy like- here?
1: Definitely. Yeah. I feel like this is, so for the students, this might be interesting too. I feel like, like if I had to summarize, like what it is that I do, like, you know, someone's like, what do you write about? Which is like the worst question. Right. But I feel like I like to write about, um, like, what's a good way to say this? not like the tragedy of life that feels like sort of a broad and reductive way to say it, but I like to write about like sad things, but like to show like, you know, because what does this say? Like comedy is tragedy plus time or something like that. So to show um, like how like all of the sad things that we all have to live, you know, many of us endure, like at some point in our lives, like, what's funny about just, like, exi- like having to live life through them and, like, just exist. Um, so, like, I think, like, this, and I feel like I have to get better at, like, articulating that in the whole ele- elevator pitch, which is a whole, like, um, skill set, right? So, that's something I'm, like, still working on, for sure. Um, But I think like what's funny about it is it's going to be about like the messiness of female friendship and grief and how it like affects us differently and how some people like totally lose lose it and some people like it makes them um, you know get it together even more and just I think the funny the funny ways that these like this like group of widows will interact with each other that's where I think we'll find the comedy and their relationships obviously even though the setting will have been, or the catalyst for the story is, like, this very, very sad event.
0: Just out of curiosity, have you heard of the book uh, Final Girls Support Group? It's pretty new. Hmm.
1: So it's it
0: it's by Grady Hendrix. Um, it's, a, it's horror uh, uh-huh. about a group of women who have survived, like, the slasher movie tropes, right? Oh. Uh, and their support group. <laughs> and then uh, how they interact with each other. So it, it sounds kind of like on a similar wavelength. As oh, yeah. What you're, what you're shooting for. Um, I, I think it's being adapted into, I heard it was being adapted into a series. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I I knocked it out last week while I was on vacation. Uh, it's it's funny um, in that okay. in that sense that I have a hard time distinguishing between horror and comedy sometimes.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: But it it i I enjoyed it. Um,
1: I am gonna put it right into my Kindle cart nice. we're done. Yeah,
0: there you go. There you go, Grady Hendricks. There you get that. Wilkes <laughs> <Brooks> University bump.
1: <laughs> I'm reading. I'm actually I finally have gotten around to this is like sort of the subject. Uh, I've never I've never read Stephen King's memoir slash writing uh on right you know his book yep. on writing so that's what i'm reading right now um and i'm enjoying it but it's almost done this is very short so i, I need yeah. something lined up for right after that
0: yeah. yeah yeah the king book is a super fast read too
1: yeah to a point rude. where you're like
0: i can't believe this happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then it's like every it's very
1: i'll <laughs> tell you not to spoiler alert it for anybody but one of the things that i uh i loved I love that he like had no, you know, he hits it with Carrie, I guess he hits his break with Carrie. And I love that he like just had no idea it was any good or that like, any, you know, it's just so funny because you know sometimes you're writing it or like, this is good, this is good. And then like later you're like, oh, I have to do a lot of work on this. But then other times like you're like, this is just like, this was just like wretched to like get out. And it was so not fun writing it. And it was just all work. And then, like that's like, and then he is Carrie. He's like no idea that this thing was gonna be like you know so uh, huge for him in his life. Yeah,
0: yeah. What I <laughs> what I remember most about reading that. So uh, the book is assigned in, in five hundred one. Um, oh, cool. So if there, there are five hundred one students, um, hopefully listening to those who are reading that now. Um, when I was in five hundred one, reading that, I was also reading uh the harry potter books to my daughter oh fun um, and one of the things that he he says in on writing is to avoid adverbs right avoid <laughs> yeah. adverbs like the plague uh jk rowling uh whatever whatever criticisms about her uh, aside jk rowling huge fan of adverbs <laughs> the right. harry potter books are like 75 percent adverbs and he lists <laughs> he lists them as like his recommended books at the end, so I don't know that that weird thing just stuck out like stood out to me and and was kind of amusing. Um, I mean, it's, I think
1: it's like fun. What's fun fun about that anecdote is that like I feel like obviously like it's so personal, like what we like as readers or mm-hmm. as audience members. Um, but it's funny because yeah, like there, you know, there are rules, but there also aren't rules, and like depending how you do something, you could have seventy five percent adverbs, and it'll work just great, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't think that she's she's uh, sitting on top of her mountain of money.
1: Lamenting uh, that she puts her <laughs>
0: money. yeah, yeah, really critical of of her adverb usage. Um, <laughs> but I I like that you that you mentioned the rules because at least in the screenwriting world and some of the networking I've done outside of Wilkes. I've encountered a lot of writers who kind of obsess over the rules of screenwriting um, to the point where I kind of get the sense that there are some folks who feel like uh, the art behind it is almost secondary that if they can, um, if they can follow the, the correct format for a TV pilot or, you know, a, a 90 or hundred page um, screenplay that it's just a matter of time before it gets sold sell- before it sells because they followed all of the rules Right? They, their characters learn something, <laughs> they have all the act breaks in the right places. Um, but then if you look at the stuff that actually sells uh, or, or the stuff that's nominated for awards or, or gets a lot of fan support, uh, typically, uh, or maybe not typically, but very frequently, the rules don't matter anymore, right. it seems like. And so I was wondering like, if you had any thought or any perspective on uh, how, how we as writers should kind of relate to the rules.
1: Yeah, like, like, um, like you probably I mean, I imagine like, every time I watch a movie that I love, or that I like should be good, but just like, you know, it, you know, what I think is good, you know, all, all this is my own opinion. Um, like what I th- should be good, but like just isn't good to me. Um, I like think, you know, I can't help myself but think about like what is, it? why is this, why do I love this or why don't I love this? Mm-hmm. And so I think like for screenwriting, for movies, I do feel like if, like sometimes like people can, can certainly with the right alchemy, the right amount of heart or right magic, something they can write a movie that does not have that does not follow the typical hero's journey screenplay structure and it can be amazing i mean i am a fan of quentin tarantino movies and i feel like he's got he's a good example of like you know or even like woody allen i know like he's a, pr- a problematic individual but like some of his movies are amazing i mean mm. no one can take that away from him and um he like you know they don't necessarily follow like a typical hero's journey and yet you're they're like amazing works of art um so so it can be done but i think one of the things i feel like the number one rule that i feel like that always must be there no matter what is that like your hero or protagonist like she must like really deeply want something and like face obstacles to either like get or not get what she wants. Um, And I just feel like that's like the drive. And if that drive is not there, so like even like a movie like Pulp Fiction, it might not follow the typical, like there's an inciting incident and then um, the real journey is revealed. And then at the midpoint, something else happens. And then, uh, you know, toward, toward the end, there's a shift in perspective and something they didn't know was the thing, that's now the problem. And then the conclusion, like, Pulp Fiction doesn't follow that. But I think for, like, the most part, it's just, like, the characters that we um, see, they all really deeply want something and are, like, trying to get it. And so, therefore, we're, like, automatically invested in what they're doing. So, I would say, like, it's very important to learn the rules. Um, Structure will be there for you when you do not know what to do. Mm -hmm. That's what I find. It's the scaffolding that can hold it together. But you just need, like, to me, like, that's what the structure can be played with as long as there's dramatic action. Anytime I'm, like, bored by a movie or a piece of theater, it's usually because somehow in the first 10 minutes, I don't know what the important thing someone wants is. And, like, if I just don't, and it's funny, because we can, like, accidentally write something like, like, I could write something and be like, oh, whoops, forgot, like, that part of it. (laughs) Gotta (laughs) get that in there. But, like, I just feel like, yeah, if they... They need to want something so that we want to root for them or like be engaged in whatever it is. Um, doesn't have to be good things they want, but it has to be something. Mm-hmm. so I think like you ha- I do believe the rule to to grab an audience is to like give us something to give your person something they're going after so that we're like invested immediately. Mm-hmm. This is like I feel like for TV maybe this is the kind of thing like with pilots because it's like a slower story than it's than a movie. I feel like I, I like when I'm working on something myself. I feel like I have to like that takes some work and falling back on like my like what I've learned in school or like from reading um, to to set that up right because it doesn't go as fast as a film, but it the actually the driver needs to be there um, even if the story is going to be slow and told over many episodes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also interesting with TV too that. But- uh, just because of how stuff is shot now and, and, and what the streaming kind of landscape has done is that you don't get as much real estate to play around with characters. Yeah. Like you used to when, when a show might be like 22 episodes
1: mm. and the writers are
0: like, I don't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Here's a, here's a side story about somebody who got yeah. locked in the closet or whatever. Just something wacky happened. And it gives yeah. us the time to play around with the characters and the actors to kind of explore the space now when it's you know 12 episodes filmed over a year (laughs) um and everything has to everything you know there's millions and millions of dollars um invested in it that just didn't exist back in the day um it's it's just a completely different kind of thing and so like i have to imagine that's a really uh like an interesting challenge i think too yeah um yeah, the the thing that I I try to talk to to folks about like with the rules is using uh, parasite as an example. Oh
1: yeah,
0: Agreed, <laughs> um, uh, that's so like genre bending that the streaming services don't even know where to put it. Typically, I think yeah. right now it's on Hulu under like every category. <laughs> oh yeah, um, like you know, is it a-
1: horror? Is it comedy? Is it dark yeah. comedy? Yeah.
0: A- a yeah, drama. It's, yeah, it's a bit of everything. Um, so. Uh the other question I wanted to to ask about um in terms of your writing. So you're you're also working on this this work of fiction um about the Friends of the Road Trip, which sounds fascinating and I'm I'm super uh interested in hearing more about it. Um but as a writer, what's it like for you to kind of jump from one genre to the other? Um from, from playwriting, screenwriting to to fiction?
1: Yeah, so I guess I mean, I I know like lots of people love to work on a bunch of different things at once because if they get stuck on something, they move to the next. And I kind of like, I just, I don't know if I like it or if it's just what I typically have done is like focus on one thing at a time. So it's weird for me actually to be working on, and I'm also like retooling a like screenplay. So it's weird for me to be like working on a couple of things at once actually. Um, But it's nice because for whatever reason, I have found, like, working on the, the TV pilot, um, like, a little tricky, actually. And so when I get, like, when I just don't know what to do there, I move to the book. So I don't know. It's like an escape hatch. I don't know if that's, like, a good thing. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but, um, yeah, I know. It's, like, this, just because I'm reading it right now, it's, like, you know, Stephen King, He I think he wrote that he really believes in just, like, he feels like if he leaves his characters for even like 2 days they're gone like they disappear. Um Yeah, I I I just like have not had the chance to like write that consistently all the time yet, you know, so um Yeah. They have to come back. I have to claw them back, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a, that's another challenge, right? Like some folks um live by the the mantra of writing every day, um, but for a lot of people that's just not possible. Like yeah. for me I have two small two small kids in the middle of the heat Uh, wave yeah Uh, i'm not i'm not able to write every every day that we make it through is is a victory at this point in the summer so
1: yeah i'm with you and like yeah i mean obviously i mean for the most part stephen king is telling this memoir from like after being a like working and well-paid writer for many years um which i don't Mm -hmm. think he like forgets as he writes it he's just telling us what he does you know yeah um yeah, I'm with you. Like, I sometimes I'm just like, okay, 20 minutes. You got this. Get what well, you can get done in 20 minutes, you know? And I'd like, I don't know. I've written whole movies, plays, plays that have been produced like do, in 20 minute increments, you know? Yep. I read, I forget. Maybe it's in, I hope I'm not misquoting. It might be Elizabeth Gilbert's like Big Magic. That's what I'd put on the syllabus. Uh, her book. Have you read that? Mm-mm. Oh, that's a good one. It's a little like, it's a little bit magical, um, but I really like. I really enjoyed Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. Um, but she says that uh, you know, then she she says I think it's her, or she, maybe she's quoting someone. So please, like, no one hold me to this exactly. But she says <laughs> something like the next great American novel is being written, you know, a page at a time on somebody's lunch break. And yep. I just try to remember that. Like, maybe that you know, that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, get words on the page. Yeah. uh, Wherever you're at. (laughs) However uh however long it's been since this video has been posted. Um page keep just getting words on the page. That's all you can do. Um and I think that's something that's
1: good. That's the part I struggle with. Like sorry, I'm like totally pivoting, but I feel like some people like you know, people are always like, just like, just keep writing, don't go back, don't revise, just get the first draft down. And I try to do that. And that is very hard for me because it's just like an impulse control issue. Like, I just like <laughs> want it to be good before I move forward, you know. Yep.
0: So. Yeah.
1: Something else I'm working
0: on. Oh, no, that that's actually a, a habit I had to break myself of um, coming from an academic background
1: where yeah. I'm trying
0: to write and edit at the same time kind of in, in anticipation of what reviewers might say or what editors might say and so kind of taking the Kurt Vonnegut approach of like hammer and chisel out every line uh, yeah. at a time and so you know with academic work you could spend a whole day writing and researching to get like a paragraph done right, right. Um, but to survive in the program I had to unlearn that
1: yeah, thing, yeah. or else
0: I would have I would never would have finished the first semester. I, yeah. I had to, to learn how to, to kind of get, just get it done. And then, you know, we'll edit when we have time, but get the idea out there before it, it vanishes. It was yeah. a real struggle for me to learn.
1: It's hard. Yeah. But I do think there's, I mean, I'm trying to make myself do that. This is, you know, I think we're always like learning. I mean, I, I sort of really deeply believe that, um, writing is like it's a game it's a mind game in a way like getting like sometimes I have to literally be like sit at the computer (laughs) sit at the computer and then open the document yep and open the document and then just like type something like just to get like going because you know I just think it's in our head like we're like uh at least I am um like it's why like i don't know like so you can find like in many places like brilliant brilliant students get like 4.0s and then when it just comes time to write that dissertation like they just can never they can't get it done like some percentage of people and that's where i think it is like that's why i think a lot of it is psych- psychological more than yep. anyway so we have to like trick ourselves to get ourselves going um but i forget what his name is i think he's a writer on the simpsons and he was saying that like he just writes a, he just writes a really pathetic, like, first draft of every, because I guess they have to work so fast, you know, that he can't, mm-hmm. he just says he writes, like, the one on Monday, he writes a pathetic, disgusting, embarrassing, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, he says yeah. so more eloquently than this, like, first draft. Just to get all that mock out. Like, it's just like that. To him, that's the worst part of writing. That's Mm -hmm. the hardest part. And then the next day, he goes back and he rewrites it. And that, and he makes it into like a funny, amazing thing with like nuance and jokes and all that. Um, And he said that's always so much easier. So he's like miserable one day a week. And then the rest of the time, it's like better, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm paraphrasing.
0: No, I think that's uh, (laughs) on the verge of like some, like a, a, I don't know a pithy like writer slogan like writing means being miserable one day a week or something like that yeah yeah. but it's true like that that divide between being creative and then having to edit your own work especially because so many writers are their their own worst critics yeah uh, yeah. that can be a struggle yeah Um,
1: it's hard it's hard to teach it's hard to teach yourself how to like let go and just like do it and Not edit as you go. I mean, I find that. I mean, other people, I think, don't have that issue. Some of us (laughs) do, right? Some people can just, like, write, like... I know people who write, like, a 150-page play, and then they whittle it down to 90 pages, where I'm just like, what? Like, I can't even imagine, like, starting with double, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I can't... I... (laughs) That's so much... It's so much editing that hurts. Yeah, I know. know. Cut out sixty pages. That's like a whole, almost a whole other play. (laughs) It's
1: crazy. I would never like just personally. I'm always like, okay, I'm at eighty pages. I I think I can figure out how to get this thing to be an hour and a half. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. So we've talked a little bit about your work. Um. But I I also want to talk about your your teaching experience and how you uh come to the classroom and sort of uh helping students navigate these these challenges of like learning to be a writer and learning that uh you know as much as school can can teach you and of course the bulks program is is fabulous um but a lot of it is your own sort of as much as i hate this phrase like stick-to-itiveness yes, <laughs> and, yes, yes. and making sure that you are like like we we're talking about getting finding ways to get words on the page and like being very introspective of your own growth. So I'm I'm always curious as a teacher myself to, to hear other people's teaching styles. And so I was hoping that you could share a little bit of your own your own approach.
1: Yeah, sure. So with writing classes, I am a big fan of um, I really love having generative creative writing exercises in my classes. So even if like, even if we're going to be reviewing, like, let's say 10 pages of everybody's play, like let's say there are six people and we're going to go read, you know, review a 10 page section of each person's play. I still like if there's time to, to squeeze in like maybe 15 or 20 minutes at the top or the bottom, usually at the top is better, of class, of like generative writing exercises, just to like, I just feel like it's, um, it's fun to do, more fun to do those in a group, in my opinion, than alone. <laughs> um right I just feel like in a group there's like it's almost like um like every time I do generative writing exercises I'm alone I'm like uh yeah. but when like there's someone else involved it just I, I feel like it's almost like um I don't know I'm not particularly religious but I imagine it's like uh it seems to me like you're channeling like some other higher power when like everybody is doing, I, I don't know, it's strange. It's this like strange energy that like descends yeah. from. There's,
0: there's like a communal energy.
1: Yes, it's something like it. that. Yeah. So I really like that because I think that is like just a nice thing to bring into life anytime we can, that kind of communal energy. That's the perfect word for it. And, uh, and then I also think it's just like important to keep like the, it's like the muscle, keeping the muscle going. So I'm a big fan of That I also think, like, I also believe that structure should be taught, and if we're talking about a writing class, um, Mm -hmm. I just think, like, it can be easy to forget about doing that as a teacher and just, like, you know, like, everybody bring their 10 pages in and let's give feedback on it and give people impressions. But I actually think, like, structure is hard and it's good to learn how to do it. Um, Like, I feel like it's something... Like some people just like see the structure of things like so clearly like their brain works in a way in which it just like fires like they just like they know exactly how to build the scaffolding of the Mm -hmm. house. Um, like uh, for me personally, like I can like write di- I could like write, you could just be like, this is, here's what happens. And I'll like write the dialogue. And I could do that. Like with my eyes closed, my hands tied behind my back upside down, <laughs> I can write a like, fun dialogue in a second, but this structure for me, like that takes like my brain, like the, you know, the hamster wheels going, i like trying to keep up with it, um, to like get that work out. So I feel like, and from what I hear, like people I know have ro- worked in TV for a long time. They say that it's just, like, that, like, if you don't have a super innate ability to do that, like, um, like, that it comes from just, like, having to do it. So I do believe that, like, learning structure and revisiting structure and, like, thinking about structure, uh, like, makes you better at it. And so maybe it feels like it's magically intuitive, but it's because, like, people put a lot of work into, like, many people. Some people just are, like, uh, you know natural genius with it or something, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I have to work hard at structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. That should be taught too. Like I think we have to remember that these things are like very important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have to learn the rules so you can break the rules. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Well, just like, I mean, break them fall back on them when you don't know what the heck to do. Like yeah. when you're stuck and you're just like, okay. Like, what is the Stuart Spencer there's a Stuart Spencer book about playwriting and he just like talks about different kinds of why is the name I'll look it up he just talks about like different kinds of scenes to do and like sometimes I'll be like oh like what happens next and I'll be like I know a scene with a third kind of event like it's just something (laughs) like it just can be like a thing to hang on to and it's like wild how it actually like makes things better you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Yep. You're a hundred percent right. First like it first.
1: actually works. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perish the thought. Yeah. Um, but with, so with students then who are not familiar with the structure and, and the rules and, and all of that, um, I, I guess what's, what what has your experience been like um, sort of just introducing students to, to this, this way of writing and, um, all of, all of the challenges they're in.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, um, I feel like in my own experience, I'm, I've been mostly lucky because any time I've taught writing, it's like people who really want to be there and learn this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I did teach, I did teach playwriting to, to students who like did want to be high school students who did want to be there, but it's like, you know, college students or graduate students, um, They've, like, really made a commitment if they're showing up to to your class. Um, but high school students, like, they have to be somewhere. And, like, yeah. they, this is where they picked it. The, you know, so sometimes, like, you know, some of that really wouldn't be there. But I think that's, like, an area where I guess I've, like, uh, yeah. Like, how do you get those people interested? I mean, I think, like, how do you – is that what you mean? Is that what you were asking? I'm Sorry, not necessarily I'm,
0: interested, so but just, like – else? So – uh, I, so I, I guess for students who are interested in writing, but, um, maybe have lacked the confidence or have, haven't done like a lot of research ab- about it, but they like the idea of, of being a writer and, and maybe they're naturally very charismatic or funny or, okay. uh, or they have just interest in a genre, um, yeah. sort of, sort of walking like how do they people they in, approach this? Yeah. Of. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think like, I was thinking about this the other day, like to myself, And I feel like, like, I feel like a lot of writers, or maybe I'm just me, and I'm just like projecting this onto other people, but I like to read like a lot of memoirs that writers write. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I feel like memoirists who are writers more than just like a person who happened to write a memoir, I feel like a lot of times it's like, they knew they were a writer, even though they weren't writing yet. Like, I feel like sometimes you're just like, okay, I know that actually I'm a person that's like, meant to, uh, like, express things Mm
0: -hmm.
1: written down or, you know, and and so, like, maybe you haven't actually written anything yet, but you, like, have this feeling that, like, you are a writer, even though you haven't Mm -hmm. written anything yet, and you're not sure where to start, and for that, I feel like this is where I feel like poetry is, like, a really fun place to start, even though that sounds really, like, might sound like a big turnoff to some people. I actually think... Poetry is, like, a really great way to sort of get, like, the writer muscle started for a person mm-hmm. for the first time. Also a big fan of, like, what is essentially a monologue writing workshop, but, like, just getting people to, first in a, like, vocal improv and then in a writing exercise, like, just to, like, rant about something. <laughs> Everybody loves a chance to write about something that they're really angry about. <laughs> and I think that is like a first like like that's what I would do with someone who has like not really written yet but think like thinks they are a writer or wants to try writing so I would start with like stepping into like the self and maybe writing something about yourself and then that would be my first step in and then I would probably suggest like you know if they decide they want to try a playwriting class or a fiction writing class or film, like, uh, you know, checking out, thinking about, like, some of the works of art that they like personally, Mm -hmm. and then, like, you know, starting with, like, a really approachable book that talks Mm -hmm. about, like, how, you know, there's so many great books um, in every field, uh, and reading them, I feel like, and reading, like, other people, like, other writers' memoirs, I really am a big fan of that. That's why I'm, like, I can't believe I didn't come to Stephen King's yet, but, yeah, I do love reading writers' memoirs
0: that's so interesting um, yeah just this idea of of helping students recognize that this is when they're calling and just um, kind of running with it from there uh, I, I so i guess one more question about teaching and this is this might be an unfair hard question <laughs> so uh if, I'll it tell is... you if i
1: don't want to answer it <laughs>
0: <laughs> good good and i will i will put my amateur editing skills to use and just cut out my sounding uh, awful but not awful uh the, at the past residency so we're recording this in august of 2021 um yeah. so this past june residency um bob mooney gave a workshop on voice and it was one of the most well attended and like engaging workshops that i've i've been to during my time at wilts um and so I, i'm curious about um this idea of sort of like helping students discover their own voice Yeah. um, um and i think maybe that's what i was trying to get at with like the yeah. Previous, the prior question um yeah. i was curious if you have any any insight on that
1: yeah yeah i mean i feel like finding your voice is like a journey right um you know there's like easy ways to be like what to you know what do i want to say what do i have to say to the world about the world that means something why am i the person to say it so like you know Just looking, like, just talking about myself, like, my own background. I'm a woman from a, like, blue collar town in New Jersey with, like, post industrial blight. And that, like, has really, like, growing up in that world, like, really has influenced, um, like, my experience of being alive and, like, what it is that I have observed. And, the people the kind of people whose stories i like to tell usually um and it can take a while to figure out what that is i think um you know like maybe you're a person who who's like you know parents immigrated to this country and you had even though you were a child you had to like translate everything for them in like the grocery store like that would give you a very specific like lens of the world of how people have treated you what what it's like to feel like um like the child is in charge of communication and then you know like so i feel like there's you know one might think about like themselves and like what their own life has been like i mean i think some of this like just happens as you start you start writing and you don't know you're writing about things that have nothing to do with you and you don't really know, and then the more you write, you sort of, like, at least maybe you start to realize, like, actually, wow, I'm writing about my mom, and, then, or, like, wow, I'm writing about um, this my parents' divorce, or whatever it is, like, through these other people, and I had no idea, so I think it, like, you just start wherever you can, like, enter, um, you just, like, think you want to write, like, just write something, and then I feel like, I feel like it comes, but then if you want, you can, like, you can spend some time being like, okay, like, what is it that, what is unique about my worldview based on my own experience in life? And like, what is it that I have to say? Um, And like, what kind of way do I want to say that? Do I want to say that through like hyper-realistic stories or sci-fi or, you know, whatever, horror? (laughs) Does that make sense? Uh,
0: No, it definitely does. Totally does um, I'm still trying to figure out my voice. So, yeah. Uh, super. Helpful. I mean, I
1: think it takes a while and then I think it could like change too, you know? Yeah. yeah. As you change, as your life changes.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think like, uh, I mean, I, I've been, it's been on my list actually to do a rewatch or like a first time watch of, of Tarantino stuff yeah. for another project. Um, and I'm really curious to see because I, I remember watching, I've, I've seen Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and True Romance like a billion times, um, but I'm, I'm excited to kind of compare early Tarantino to more recent Tarantino just to see how much it's yeah. changed and I think that's with any artist right, that has at least longevity, um, that can be a, a really fun exercise, I think. Um,
1: yeah. Right. Like with him, like, I don't, I can't, speak, I don't know that much about him personally, and obviously cannot speak for him. But like in Pulp Fiction, like, I, I doubt much of that was autobiographical, though, perhaps some of the characters were inspired by people he knows. But I think what he had is like this, like, insane love of genre, of movie genre. Mm hmm like he i'm pretty sure he like you i think i've read like that you know he worked in a video store yep. maybe like knew everything inside and out like was obsessed obsessed yep. obsessed and somehow he took that whatever that is mm-hmm. and like has infused that into his films and makes these like really fun stories you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah i've i've heard that story too that he he was working at the video store and he was the guy who was like whenever it was his shift he's like he's the one picking what this, what the store is playing. Right. And it has that yeah. sort of like almost like, uh, uh, I guess the, the other stereotype would be like somebody who worked at a record store back in the day, who was like the hardcore like music snob, but this yeah. is, just, and this is just with films, right. Yeah, He's putting yeah, on like yeah. random obscure things that, that nobody would, <laughs> would rent. Um, and, and giving, I think like almost like holding court sometimes about, about it, but yeah. um, Super, super interesting um to to go through his stuff. And really, like I said, anybody, any artist who has longevity just to see how their their styles and their their attitudes and their their view of the world has changed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like um one of my favorite writers' memoirs is Wild by Cheryl Strait. I don't know if you've read it. It was made into a movie with oh, I love Wild so much. It was made into a movie that Reese with their spoon started in. That was also um a great, it's a great movie, I think. Mm-hmm um but she she wrote a novel like she went to Syracuse I think for her MFA and she wrote a novel and then after that she wrote this memoir which I guess makes sense she must have had enough she must have gotten enough juice out of that novel to get um something going to write a memoir and her memoir is about her basically like dealing with the like untimely death of her mother like while she hikes the pacific crest trail Mm -hmm. and I remember reading I don't know if it probably wasn't in the memoir but like some article about her where she was just like she was just like I true this is not like a story like this is not me going on this hike like because I was sad because my mom died is like not like there's nothing there there's not a book there like that's um, and like there was and this is amazing book you know so I feel like sometimes you don't even know like what it is that you you know I like, I think she was probably thanking somebody for like being like no trust me there's a book there. Um <laughs> but like yeah, I think like sometimes like you know, you might think like I don't know, my life's been like pretty average, that not fine. Nothing terrible happened, like I don't know, what do I have to say that's that interesting? And like um you know, you you might have a lot more there than you you think, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. Um <laughs> yeah, and and thinking back again to to some of the lessons I remember from taking 501 at Wilkes, um, I, I I can't remember if it was uh, in the course itself or in, in the panels that we went to during that residency. But um, I I remember somebody talking about you know one of the ways to improve your your life as a writer is to challenge your challenge yourself to have new experiences. Yeah. Um, and I feel like for for folks who Who do have those like really powerful stories but maybe have a block psychologically or emotionally saying like i'm boring i don't i don't need to write about it Uh, maybe going out and like intentionally having like some adventures safely maybe uh (laughs) is, is is a way to kind of get over that um and kind of recognize that your your life has been really really fascinating and um, inspirational, and, and something that, that folks would um, want to, or, or maybe even need to hear about.
1: Yes, yes, definitely.
0: Um, so, the, the last thing that I wanted to ask you about, because um, I've taken up a lot of your time this afternoon. Uh, it's um, fun,
1: fun talk, always fun talking about writing, yeah.
0: Good, I'm I'm glad. <laughs> um, so, uh, at this point, uh, you are a pretty new faculty member at Wilkes, and so um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like, what excites you about coming to the um, to be a part of the Maslow family program in, in graduate um, creative writing at books.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I feel like the thing, there's, like, two big things that I really love about the program. Um, and this is, well, it's, it goes without saying, but I'll say it. This does not come as, count as one of the two things. But, like, the faculty are amazing. Um, so I feel like students are very lucky to have access to, Um, so many faculty who are working and have like such sort of diverse um, like writing backgrounds and lives. Um, I love that students can really build their own program and like you're not pigeonholed into one genre or another. I love that because I feel like I I enjoyed my MFA very much, but I I kind of wish it had a little bit of that flexibility. because that's what I do in life. And I think that's what yeah. a lot of brothers do, you know? So it's nice that it's actually like built into the curriculum here. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I like is I love is that like, it's, it's, it's low residency. Like you can be a parent, you can have a full-time job. You can have a part-time job. You can have caretaking responsibilities for a parent or a sick relative mm-hmm. or something. And like, still do this. Um, I get so annoyed by other MFA programs. Like when I was looking at, like I ended up doing one that all the was all evening classes, and it was in the town I lived in, and this was a real rarity at the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's been some years now, but like you know, that like I didn't have a life where I could just like disappear for three years and like m- like be a full time student, not make any money, and like <laughs> I, I just like I mean, I think it's fine. Like some people can do that, or like they make you know sacrifices to do that, mm-hmm. and that's yes. totally fine too. Uh, totally fine. But I love that this program, like you don't have to do that actually. Yes. Yeah. You can be, a you, you know, you can be 50 and do this if you want, because it's going to adjust like for the life that like, you know, you might have that, that maybe a 23 a year old doesn't, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have seen along the way uh, some of the workloads that uh, at least screenwriting MFA programs are doing usually on the West Coast. I remember the first time I saw it and I was uh, shocked and horrified. <laughs> and at first I and at first was like, you know, this isn't great. Like I should be doing more. And then it like occurred to me like, no, obviously I shouldn't be because uh, you can't assume that quantity equals quality. And uh, also I have a wife, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, I would rather not give that up <laughs> for school. And having been through grad school before, like I've, I've told people in my cohort and I will, and any student uh, who wants to talk about this, the Wilkes program is a unicorn in the, in the yeah, world of grad school. Um, we are very, very lucky
1: and because of that, I think what it allows for, and this is not to disparage any other kinds of MFA programs. Mm-hmm. Like there's many wonderful things about all the different ways that you can do, uh, you know, that you could study creative writing. Mm-hmm. But what I like is that probably all the students in your class are going to have like completely different lives than you. And so you're really going to be around people with different ideas, different life experiences. It's going to be really inspiring instead of being in a yeah. like sort of homogenous environment. Like you're mm-hmm. going to get, you're going to have your like worldview open, like as part of the experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been, uh, the best two years of my career having been through this program. Um, I, and I, I will shout it from the rooftops. I remember thanking people when I first started, <laughs> like, thank you for allowing wow. me to be in this program.
1: That's so cool. Um, and you have such a unique perspective because you are both a faculty and a student. Like, yeah. I, I feel like you can see it from all angles. And the fact that you, like, I feel like it's really says something about the program that you're not just like, I mean, you know, you could be jaded and cynical from your, you know, faculty. <laughs> you, you still like have experienced this program and such a positive and like, um, I feel like invigorating and like, it really seems like it, was very like intellectually and artistically satisfying.
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you what I told uh, Taylor Polites and I've mentioned this story on here before. So I got I got tenure at Wilkes um, and my tenure present yes. to myself was to do the program because um, I, I wanted to learn more about screenwriting for like 20 years. Um, yes. I remember when my parents first got the internet and like <laughs> I realized you could download scripts and just wow. reading like, uh, just doing that. Um, And so now it's like the benefit of hindsight, like, obviously, I should have done that as a student, right? Like, that was the thing I should have been doing. Um, So anyway, I started the program. And I was like, the the first questions I asked um, uh, Dr. Bonnie Culver, who is one of the founders, uh, who has since retired, um, I said, uh, am I going to be the oldest person in class? Um, Because in my mind, it was going to be a lot of a lot of students in their their early mid 20s. And then I, uh, I'm the old man. I'm like the old grandpa. And she was like, no, no, no. Um, you're about, you're about the median age. I was like, okay, cool. Um, but I've also done grad school before. So I'm going to sit in the back and be a wallflower and let the real grad students kind of do their thing because I'm sure I'm only here because I'm faculty anyway. Um, and they have to let me in. (laughs) And, uh, that, that didn't last maybe an hour, (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> before, okay. before
0: i was i was roped in and i i felt that sort of camaraderie and, and sense of community um and really like a sense of belonging that i hadn't really experienced in a, in a long time um so uh, i i am more proud of the mfa um than the phd uh-huh. <laughs> which, uh some people are kind of baffled by because i spent what like five or six years on that and and all that that sacrifice right that we we're talking yeah. about um but i don't know the mfa has just been so so fulfilling um i'm doing a publishing internship as of this recording uh with a trust and press that's been um just incredible um, uh, cool. yeah i i got to interview phil brady um on, uh-huh. on here um which was amazing um and yeah, this has been just a, a great experience, and it's also funny too, right? Because when I started the program, I was like, I'm I'm getting away from like everything I research about. Um, I need an escape from that, uh, but like you can't escape the stuff that you care about right, <laughs> either, right. right? And so, yeah. very gradually, I've found like the stuff that I'm I'm interested in from a teaching and research perspective, kind of like creeping in to uh, the, the features in the short films that I'm working on uh, and then at first there is that like well uh, <laughs> I didn't want this to happen but you, you can't you can't escape like the stuff that you that you're passionate about you know yeah, so, in that sense Sounds then having this like this other career first has been uh, has provided me with like a wealth of, of experience um, yeah. to, to draw upon so yeah. I guess it all worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, I'm thinking like immediately of like David Simon, who wrote The Wire, mm-hmm. who, like worked uh, doing, and I guess, investigative journalism yep. about homicides and crimes. Yeah, yep. like he had a whole career before he had this other real, you know, career, you know?
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, I think Wes Craven was an English professor.
1: Wow, cool. I think
0: Wes Craven or John Carpenter, maybe both of them. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, look, uh, I, I will put the responsibility on people listening <laughs> to look <laughs> that up look <laughs> for that up. yourselves. Uh, both incredible. If you like horror, John um, yeah. Carpenter's The Thing um, or Scream, uh, two oh, yeah. uh, two Hall of Fame, um, incredible movies. Uh, yeah. But uh, I will leave it there <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> before this I start fun. rambling.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you I so much for doing helpful. this. Temple. Yeah, no, this is great. For more Untenured tracks, please go to untenured.space to access our archives or go to patreon.com untenured to help support us.